0: Welcome to Thrive Church. I am so happy to see you here today and uh, you know we are starting a new series but we're going to get to that in just one moment because uh, this past week uh, if you were here at Thrive we concluded uh, a series called Deconstructed Faith and in that series you know we talked about how people were being persecuted throughout the world and how we were going to take all of the contributions that week and we're going to send them uh, across the world to help those who are being persecuted. So I just wanted to congratulate you all for that because we were able to send around $11,250. So yeah, I mean all of our campuses thank you so much for contributing towards that. It is making a difference across the world so we are so so grateful for that. And so today we are starting a new series, and, and, uh, but I'm actually not going to be speaking today because we have a very special guest. And, uh, and you know, last time this guest spoke, everybody's like, why don't you let them speak more? So here's the opportunity. Why don't you give it up for my wife, Carrie Thomas?
1: Thank you. So, as you heard, we're starting a brand new series tonight, and it's called I Am. And the series is all about Jesus in his own words. So these are the attributes of himself that he taught to his disciples. And Jesus made seven statements that begin with I am. So each week, we're going to be exploring one of these. Now, we, we first hear this term, I am, in the Old Testament, so it's way long before Jesus comes on the scene. It's about 1,300 years before we meet Jesus. So God had called Moses to deliver his people who were in slavery in Egypt, and he speaks to Moses out of a burning bush. Now Moses doesn't know the name of this God that is speaking to him, so he asks who is speaking to him, and God says, I am who I am. And he says, tell them that I am sent you. So God becomes known to the Jewish people as I am. Now, in many ways, this statement is just so incomplete, right? Because usually when we say, I am, it's followed by something else. I am hungry. I am happy. I am tired. But we don't hear him finish the statement. So the Jews had a very incomplete view of who God was. Now, Jesus arrives 1,300 years later, and he starts finishing this statement. It was a bold move on his part. No one before him had the audacity to complete that sentence and in an essence claim to be God. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing by finishing that statement. So the first I am statement that Jesus makes is I am the bread of life. Now, I don't know if that sounds weird to you or not, but it sounds kind of weird to me. And I think other people kind of probably thought it was pretty weird. This would be like showing up at a birthday party and being like, guys, I'm the cake. You know, it's like everybody, everybody would be like, that's just like really, really strange, you know? Um, Now, as we're going to see, Jesus making this statement causes quite a stir. But first... I wanna tell you a little bit about bread because it's mentioned almost 500 times in the Bible. We hear the term breaking bread a lot in scripture and breaking bread refers not just to eating bread but actually refers to the whole meal. The whole meal would be called breaking bread or sharing a meal together would be called breaking bread and that's because bread was a primary food source during this time. We hear Jesus' praise, give us this day our daily bread. And he's asking God to make provision, not just for food, but also spiritual nourishment. We celebrate communion, and the bread is symbolic of Jesus' body, which was broken on the cross for us. Now, according to Reader's Digest, pizza is America's favorite food. And yeah, I'm not surprised, because it's mostly bread, right? So 21% of people say they'd rather eat pizza for the rest of their lives than any other food. So I would kind of like to test this out and just see if you're in that group that would rather eat pizza, just pizza for the rest of your life, raise your hand. I just want to see. Yeah, there's quite a few of you. Wow, there's a lot. So uh, pizza, more people liked pizza than steak, tacos, pasta, or hamburgers. So... Now, I recently tried a gluten-free diet for about four months. Now, a lot of people complain about gluten-free food tasting like cardboard, you know, it's got a weird texture, all that, and I have to say, I completely agree with them. (laughs) There is no good substitute for real bread. There is just nothing quite like the quality and the texture of it. I wonder if any of you have a fond memory of making bread at home, maybe with your parents or your grandparents. It's something that tends to bring family together My family immigrated from Italy. My grandparents, my mother, and my two aunts uh, came to this country when my mother was six years old. And my noni continued that tradition of making bread. And I enjoyed, as a child, watching her do this, where she would take a 25-pound bag of flour and put it into a very large stainless steel mixing bowl. And of course, she didn't use any measurements, but just going by eye and going by feeling the consistency of the dough, she would add in water and salt and yeast, and she would bake these big oval-sized breads and cook them till they were almost black. And she had two dining room tables in her basement, and those tables would be filled with loaves of bread and with pizza. And in Italy, bread is eaten at every meal. It's a very special food. It's considered disrespectful if you put your bread down upside down on the table, because bread is a symbol of life in that culture. Also, in Morocco, they won't cut bread. They'll never cut it, only tear it, because cutting it with a knife would be too violent an act for such a precious food. So Jesus also held bread in high regard. And in scripture, we see him perform this amazing miracle where he's been teaching a crowd of people for a few days. The crowd becomes hungry and the disciples suggest that Jesus let them go home and get some food. But Jesus says, no, you feed them. Well, they don't have food for that many people. But there is a boy there who has five loaves of bread and two fish. So they take this meal to Jesus. Jesus prays over it, blesses it, and he tells the disciples to begin handing out this food to the 5,000 men. Now the scripture says they only counted the men. There were 5,000 men Also, there were women and children, so there were way more than 5,000 people there. And as they're handing out this bread that Jesus has blessed, there is more than enough to go around. He feeds this entire crowd. It's an absolute miracle. And when they're finished, there's so much food that they take up 12 baskets of leftovers. So seeing this, the people believe that Jesus is a prophet. They've never seen anything like this before. And they decide they want to force him to become their king. Now, not a spiritual king like we might say Jesus is my king, but they wanted him to be their political leader. They wanted him to free them from the oppression of Roman rule. But Jesus rejects this idea of being their earthly ruler entirely. It's not why he came. He wants nothing to do with politics, so he slips away into the hills. The next day, the people are looking for him again. Now, by this time, he has walked on water across the Sea of Galilee, and the people who saw him perform this miracle get into boats and they follow him, and they find him in the synagogue in capernaum so that's where we're going to pick up in john chapter 6 verse 25. it says they found him on the other side of the lake and asked rabbi when did you get here jesus replied i tell you the truth you want to be with me because i fed you not because you understood the miraculous signs so jesus doesn't even answer their question when did you get here But he immediately calls out their motives. He recognizes their materialistic nature. They were after the food, the provision, the miracle that he showed. They wanted to know what he could give, what he could do for them. And they wanted him to lead them into political freedom. But Jesus says, you didn't understand the miraculous signs. So he's saying, I gave you food, but not just to give you food. It was a sign of my identity, of who I am. So I want to ask us today what are we coming to God for? Are we coming to Him for provision, for a good life, financial blessing, maybe for a relationship or a breakthrough or even a healing? Or are we coming to Him because of who? he is. Are we substituting Jesus for the blessings that he might give to us, going after the gifts that he offers instead of the giver? For your notes, pursue the giver and not just the gifts. Verse 27, Jesus says, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food, Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. For your notes, Jesus is trying to shift our focus from earthly concerns to eternal life. He's trying to get them to stop thinking about the food and to think about who he is and the eternal life that he can offer. Verse 28, they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? So they wanted to know how they could get more of what they wanted, how they could do the miracle. They wanted more food. They wanted more miracles, more healings. They maybe even wanted to try to please God with their works, but that isn't how it works. So all of these things that they wanted were perishable. Even the food that Jesus multiplied, while that was a great miracle, that food was perishable. And even a healing is perishable, right? Everyone who Jesus healed eventually died. So Jesus' answer really disappoints them. Verse 29, Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe. In the one he has sent. Do you ever wonder what God wants you to do? Because it's right here. The primary job that God wants us to do is to believe in Jesus. We don't need to do anything but trust him for eternal life. We can't earn it. We can't earn eternal life by doing works. It's by believing to follow him and to recognize who he is. That is the work. So Jesus fed them with bread and fish. They saw the food, and they thought the food was the miracle. But that wasn't the miracle. The miracle was that the Son of God was standing before them. Jesus used the miracle to prove who he was. For your notes, who Jesus is, is greater than what Jesus did. So it's believing is the work that God wants us to do. Now why does Jesus use this approach? It's so simple, it seems silly, but he knows that believing in him as Savior will lead us into right living. Because if we believe what he says, if we believe who he is, then we will do everything that he says. We will live the way that he showed us to live. For your notes, if we believe Jesus is the Son of God, then we'll live the way he showed us to. But it all starts with believing and not the other way around. It doesn't start with doing the good works. It starts with believing who he is. The people don't like this answer either. John 6.30, they answered... Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Now, th- these people remind me of like trying to impress somebody who can't be impressed. You guys know anybody like that? I remember feeling like this as a new parent, you know, like you get a, you have this little kid and it's like, you want to impress them so bad with all these expensive toys. We did that. We had like the Barbie Escalade. We had the the bounce house. We had a seesaw. I mean, we had all of that stuff. And you know what? It didn't keep the kids occupied for 10 minutes. And I'm thinking, I didn't get my $100 worth of time out of that toy. You know, and that's kind of, that's kind of what Jesus is facing here, right? He just performed a miracle the day before and they're asking for another miraculous sign. Now, there's a lot of people here in Capernaum with Jesus who were there yesterday and they saw the miracle. Now, there's some who haven't seen it and they might be wanting to see it for themselves, but they certainly heard about it but regardless, they're asking for another sign. He just did this amazing miracle, but they want another sign. So this is what they say, verse 31. They say, after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat, That's how I picture them saying it. Because they start this comparison game between Jesus and Moses. And the reason why they do this is because they are remembering a time in their history, 1,300 years ago, when the Jewish people were in the wilderness, they were without food, and Moses asked God to provide for them. So. God did provide for them in a miraculous and amazing way. And what he did was he caused a bread called manna to rain down from heaven. It was a miraculous food. It fell upon the ground every morning like frost. And every day, all they had to do was go out and gather manna for that day. So God provided for his people this way for 40 years. So it was a pretty sweet deal. And the Jews have never forgotten this. So Moses also had told the people that God was going to raise up a prophet and that they should listen to this prophet. They also, the Jewish people also assumed that when that prophet came, that he would bring back the miraculous manna. So they are just waiting for it to happen again. They're trying to see if Jesus is this prophet that Moses had talked about. So they are, in essence, saying to Jesus, If you are the Messiah, show us the manna. That is what they're after. Verse 32. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did, correction, and now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. They are still fixated on the manna. They want to see a miracle of provision every day. They want food. So Jesus tries to shift uh, their attention once more. Verse 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. So he really spells it out here. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. So he's still trying to shift them from being focused on the food to focus on the fact that he can give them eternal life. Now you might be asking, why does Jesus compare himself to bread in this way? We may not understand it so much because in America, you know, bread is kind of like a side dish unless it's a pizza. If 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 it's a pizza, it's the main dish, but usually like when we go to a restaurant, bread is like a side dish. It's an appetizer. It's kind of like something you munch on before your main meal comes out, right? You know, and a lot of people in our country try to avoid it altogether, right? Because it's, it's like an unhealthy, kind of like, like a junk food, right? So we try to substitute it for other things. We try to substitute it with like the low carb bread or a lot of people trying to get away from gluten now. I have a friend who, when, when we go to dinner, she orders the lettuce bun on her burger. Now, spoiler alert, it's not a bun. It's two slabs of lettuce with a burger in between. And that's because the bread that we eat that we know is not really that healthy or nutritious. But at the time in history that we're talking about, when Jesus was on the scene, bread was not like a side dish like we know it, but it was the main meal. So they would be primarily eating bread. Now, they might have some, a little bit of fish or some meat or some vegetables along with it, but the bread was the main meal, and the bread was not the kind of bread that we have today. It wasn't like a junk food. Now, I, I brought some, these are wheat berries here, Uh, That's what they're called. They're called wheat berries, but they're just the seeds from a wheat plant. And this is what you would grind into flour to make bread. Now, I also have um, some water here, and these are the two main ingredients in bread. And something really interesting that I learned when I was studying is that if I just ate some of these wheat berries, and you can just eat them like this, and I drank some water, I would get a little bit of nourishment out of that food, but, but not a whole lot. And, and even if I took the wheat berries and I cooked them and made like a porridge, if I cooked them in some water, I'd get maybe a little more nutritional value out of it, but, but still not that much. But when you make bread in the traditional way, like the way that it was made in the time of Jesus, they would take this whole grain wheat They would grind it, they would leave it out so that yeast from the air could land on it, and they would leave it like that for a while, and in a few days, that would start to bubble. That that flour would start to bubble, and that water would start to bubble, and what would be happening is a fermentation process would be happening. Now, what I learned is that that fermentation process actually exposes the nutrients in this grain, whereas they would not be accessible to your body without that process. So that is the way that they would make the bread. So as the the flour is sitting and fermenting, it's Nutrients are becoming exposed, and it's becoming this highly nutritious food that your body would be able to absorb. So you could live better on bread than you could on these same ingredients alone, or way better than on the bread that we make today, which is like a shortcut type of process to make bread. So Jesus is comparing himself to this nutritious food that can sustain life. And he's saying... I'm the main dish, guys. I'm not a side dish. I'm not just a miracle. I'm the main dish. For your notes, when Jesus says he is the bread of life, he is saying that he sustains life. John 6, 47. Jesus keeps just going at it, because he's got to, because they're not getting it. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. So Jesus is in essence saying that he himself is the manna. He is the one who can give them something better than food in their stomachs. He can give eternal life. For your notes, physical food will leave you hungry, but Jesus always satisfies. Amen. Verse 52, Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant because he didn't explain it enough times, right? (laughs) How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They asked. So they still don't get what Jesus is saying. He's still, they still don't get that he's saying, feed on me, guys, not on the stuff, feed on me. So Jesus intensifies his message. He starts to become even more graphic. Verse 53. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. So Jesus uses hyperbole here to get his point across. He's not condoning cannibalism here, but they were fixated on the food, and he wanted them to be fixated on him and on who he was. So we see that his language here becomes more graphic as the audience continues to misunderstand his message. I hope that we won't leave here today misunderstanding his message. But he said, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. So what are you feeding on? Are you feeding on his word? Are you spending time with God in prayer? Spending time with him, worshiping him? Is he like the main dish in your life? Or is he just a side dish? Because an, an hour with Jesus once a week in church is not enough. That's not feeding on him. That's not enough to sustain you through the week. It's not enough to, to sustain you through the highs and lows of life. It's not enough. Are you substituting Jesus for something or, or for somebody else? Are you feeding on friendships Relationships, money, education. Are you feeding on social media? Living somebody else's life? Watching somebody else live? We should accept no substitutions for Jesus. He is the one who can sustain us, He is the one who can satisfy us. Now, God had told the Jewish people, when they were receiving that manna from heaven, he told them, he said, I don't want you to save any of that manna for tomorrow. But they were greedy. Some of them were afraid. They were afraid that maybe it wasn't going to come the next day. So when that manna fell, some of them tried to save extra. They tried to get another day out of it. They said, let me just hold back a little bit more of this manna. And what they found out was the next day, The manna had spoiled, it was full of maggots, they couldn't eat it, it was no good. And God was trying to teach them to depend upon him daily, to come to him daily for their food, to come to him to sustain them. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, meaning that we go to him daily for sustenance, that we feed upon him daily, that we are in his word daily, communing with him. Job said that he treasured God's word more than his daily food, more than, Then eating, he treasured God's word, was more important to him than any actual food that he could eat. God's word was his priority. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, it was much too much for many people to handle. They were just there for the handouts. They didn't want to accept what Jesus had to say about who he was. And many turned and walked away from him. And Jesus said to his disciples, his closest disciples, He said, Are you gonna walk away too? And they looked at him and they said, No. We know that you have the words of eternal life. But there are many things that try to take the place of Jesus in our lives as substitutes for God. And I want to challenge you today to accept no substitutes because it's only Jesus that has the power to sustain us in this life and in the next life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you are the bread of life. Thank you, Father, that you sustain us spiritually. Yes, you give us many blessings, Father, and we thank you for all of the provision that you give us in our lives, but we thank you that you are the bread of life. We thank you that you sustain our spirits day by day. We thank you that you offer us the promise of eternal life. There is no other person or no other thing that can provide that for us, and we recognize that, Father. We recognize who you are today. I know there's some of us here, and, and we've been feeding on other things. Feeding on other things and putting other things in a higher priority than God. And if you're here today and, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can call on his name. As we learn today, all you have to do is believe. The only work that God has for you to do is believe on the one that he has sent and God's word tells us that if we believe in our hearts and we say it with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. So I encourage you to do that today. Heavenly Father, we are sorry for substituting you for other things. Lord, we recognize today that you are the real deal. You are the bread of life. It is you that sustains us through life's trials and tribulations, through the good times. It is you that carries us through. And Father, it's you that gives us that promise of eternal life. And we thank you today. We praise you for who you are. We recognize who you are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with us.
0: Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's Word each day.